We're going to talk this morning about hope in our peace. Long expected hope in our peace. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Isaiah chapter 9. We'll be looking at Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. This is going to be a somewhat familiar passage to you. If you don't have a Bible with you, there's, there should be one in the general area where you're setting up in front of you. Uh, and if not, then we will, uh, we'll have it on the board up here for you. So let's, let's get into God's Word this morning. Isaiah 9, verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. I love this singular scripture for several reasons. And a couple of them I want to present to you pretty quickly this morning. First is I love the promise of hope that we find in this passage. Because the prophet Isaiah is telling people that, listen, this light, which is the, the subject of the first message of this long-expected hope series, that Jesus is the light. And Isaiah is foretelling this, the people that are walking in darkness have seen a great light. And then that are living in the land of deep darkness, the light has dawned. So I love the promise, the hope that we see in this passage that light is coming. And praise God, we live in a time that the light is, right? The light has already come and the light still is. We're not in the Old Testament waiting for the Messiah to come. The light has come. Advent has happened. But I love the realism that we see in this passage of Scripture too because I think that if I were to look around and kind of survey everyone that's here this morning, we all have a, uh, a sense of living in reality that we know that the light has come, but we still deal with darkness. I love the reality of that, that Isaiah is saying that the light is coming, the light is here, you've seen it, you've been exposed to it, he has come. But he does not try to brush under the rug the fact that darkness is still a thing. Darkness is still a thing. Now, just a few verses ahead of that, in Isaiah 9, 6, just after he says this, in verse 6 we find this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. Another very familiar seasonal passage right here. And then he says, And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, in, our, in, in this setting, in this room, in this space, these terms, these descriptors, this wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, they're, they're kind of familiar words. And ones that we draw a lot from. There's beauty in these words. But if I'm being honest with you this morning, and I think that if, you were, if we were in a conversation here and you were being honest with me, there's one of these that we really live in tension with. And that's Prince of Peace. Now, it's not saying it's not true, not taking away the reality of anything. But I think that if you look around, how many of you, when you do like a 360 degree view of your life, you look around and all you see is peace? Amen. How many of you, when you look internally, all you see is peace? Amen. We have a peace that passes all understanding, but the re reality is. 
is that there is still darkness in this world. There are still things that we fight against and that we face. Close, far away, whatever. There is a sense that sometimes we live in this tension of, I serve the Prince of Peace. He is the source of my peace. He is the source of my joy. But my goodness, if He wasn't, there's no other peace to be found. And I think that as we look at this season especially, this is when this is really heightened to us. I mean, because there's some of us in here that are dealing with loss, that it's fresh. We're facing our first holiday season without a loved one for the first time. We may be facing a situation in our job that we've not. Maybe we're facing a holiday season without a job for the first time in a long time. Maybe there's parts of our family that are missing or disconnected or kind of estranged for the first time. Prince of Peace. There's, there's, there's some tension there. I know that there is in my life. Yeah, if you're here this morning and you feel that, if you've kind of got that sense that you're facing some things, the good news is, is you're not alone. You're in a room full of a lot of other people who are facing trying and dark, difficult times. Another good thing of good news is, is you're not alone for like the future because you're going to continue to face things. You're going to continue to have people that are walking through that with you. But you're not the first either. We see this in Scripture. We see this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 where Paul says this, For when we came into Macedonia, we had no rest, but we were harassed at every turn. Conflicts on the outside, fears within. So Paul's making this recognition, he's, he's recognizing this. Recognition, write that down. It's a new word. <laughs> this seating thing has inspired me. Paul says, listen, when we were there, we faced trouble. From outside, we, we, we had to fight. There was things coming against us. And we, from within, there was fear. You know, one of the themes of the Bible is whenever there's like an angelic or this real supernatural encounter, this visitation that we see. You know, like we're, we're in the season of where we're celebrating the Advent, the Savior's coming as a child. And when the angel announced to Mary... What was going to happen? What was the first words? Do not fear. Do not fear. See, it's kind of we're, we're kind of hardwired in our flesh that our natural response is this fear mechanism, right? Like we, we question, we doubt, we fear. And Paul's recognizing this here. Listen, we're facing darkness outside, and you know what? We fight against fear also inside of us. So if you're here this morning, take courage. If you're fighting darkness around you, if you're fighting battles externally, but you're also fearing internally, you're not alone. You're not alone. We see this with Paul, but yet we find ourselves in this place. It's Christmas, right? And if I am to quote Larry Marshall, it's Christmas. The angels are singing. Right? It's bright. It's joyful. It's merry. Everything around us is perfect and everything in our lives is perfect, right? It's Christmas. 
Did you ever just feel like you don't fit in Christmas? Like if in order for me to fit in Christmas, everything has to be bright, everything has to be merry, everything has to be jolly, everything has to be perfect. I don't fit in Christmas. Anybody else? Okay, good. I'm starting a club, so let me know. Sometimes I just don't fit in Christmas. I don't feel that. There's so many things going on in my life that uh, I don't know if I fit in Christmas, and I really sometimes struggle with this Prince of Peace concept. Again, there's been others that have been there with you before. And we're going to read one of those. We're going to read out of a psalm. I'm going to ask Chad Wolf, if he will, to come up and read Psalm 22, verses 1 through 21 for us. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer by night and, I, and am not silent. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the praise of Israel. In you our fathers put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and, they, and were saved. In you they trusted and were not disappointed. But I am, I am a worm and not a man, scorned by men and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth, I was cast upon you. From my mother's womb, you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no, help, no one to help. Many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Bashem encircle me. Roaring lions tear their prey, open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax, it is melted away within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men has encircled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I count all my bones. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. But you, O oh Lord, be not far off. O oh, my strength, come quickly to help me. Deliver my life from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. That portion of Psalm 22 is known as what we call a lament. And a lament is the, the definition is basically a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. Have you ever been there? Have you, have you ever been? This is, this is David that's writing here. This is King David, who it, the nation of Israel, the Orthodox Jews, still look up as the pinnacle of the Jewish leadership. This is David who is crying out to God, lamenting with a passionate sorrow and in pain. 
he's on the run most likely and during this time from his own son who is trying to kill him who has run a coup and has overthrown his dad and now his life is in danger and we see david this man after god's own heart crying out lamenting to god david was facing a struggle that's kind of how we would put it today we don't use the word lament that much we struggle right anybody in here struggle yeah we 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 have these struggles and we see david bearing himself out in this i want to read to you the very first verse of that again the very first part of the first verse and let's see if you recognize these words my god my god why have you forsaken me those sound familiar where did we where do we know those from jesus on the cross right so jesus was on the cross referencing psalm 22 in the passion week the week leading up to his death jesus quoted scripture 13 times from the old testament five of those came from psalm 22 a psalm of lament a psalm of grief and of sorrow and jesus cries out on the cross my god my god why have you forsaken me now we're going to look at a couple things because there's there's a couple ideas that theologians and scholars have as to why jesus would have referenced psalm 22 on the cross and the first idea is a little bit of a polarizing one it's one that jesus was disappointed right idea one is that he was facing disappointment that god had forsaken him or at least that's what he felt like he was disappointed with god my god my god why have you forsaken me has anybody ever been disappointed in here by god that that's one we kind of hesitate in raising our hands for right like we we kind of that that's a brazen claim and why we don't we don't have this statement of why have you forsaken me we do ask very frequently why why did this have to happen why did this person that i love pass away why is this person that i care for sick why is my family in the shape it's in why is why are my kids in rebellion why is my job like this why does everyone come against me why am i being persecuted why is my finances this way why if we're all really honest and transparent this morning and, and truly vulnerable with one another we felt this way we have been disappointed in what's going on we've been disappointed in what what's happening and we cry out why god why so that's the first idea that many scholars and theologians have there there is another idea though and i'd like to ask christy dyer if she would to come up and read the remainder of psalm 22 because psalm 22 doesn't stop where chad stopped there's actually a very sharp contrast and a shifting that takes place and christy's going to read that for us i will declare your name to my brothers in the congregation i will praise you you who fear the lord praise him all you descendants of jacob honor him revere him all you descendants of israel for he has not despised or disdained the suffering of the afflicted one he has not hidden his face from him but has listened to his cry for help 
From you comes my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you will I fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. They who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations will bow down before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him, those who cannot keep themselves alive. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, for he has done it. Amen. Do you see the the change there? See this second part, that part that Christy just read, that's known, that's a term we call doxology or an expression of praise to God. Again, doxology is not a word that we use often. But if lament, which is what the first part of this was, was a passionate expression of grief or sorrow, then the psalmist David follows it up with this doxology or this praise to God. So there's a change between verse 21 and 22. And we read that and it's kind of like 21 into 22 happens like that. But we don't know that. right? I mean, it could. David could be writing this and it could have happened that quickly. But we don't know that. It could have been a month. It could have been a year. It could have been 10 years that David found himself in this struggle, in this sorrow. But we see that at some point, David moves from this sorrow and this struggle into praise. And we have no indication that his circumstances changed. Something within him changed. And that was his perspective. Is that he went from struggle to praise. And you know, and we have this idea number two. So if the idea number one of Jesus referencing Psalm 22 on the cross was because he was disappointed in what was happening, he was disappointed in God forsaking him, then the second idea is that Jesus was actually bringing their attention back to the entirety of Psalm 22. Because him talking out of the Psalms would have been to the people who had a Hebrewic past. Whether they would have been converted to believe in him or if they were still practicing Jews, one of the requirements of being a Jew as you grew up was that you memorized the Psalms in their entirety. So when they would have heard the words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? They wouldn't have stopped there in their memory. It would have gone all the way through Psalm chapter 22. Jesus recognizing the lament. Jesus asking the question. Jesus in the midst of the struggle. But no change in circumstances. Jesus is still pointing them to the fact that no matter what you face, no matter how bad it is, no matter how dark it is, or how little hope that you have in the things that are surrounding you, to God be the glory. To God be praised and Him be trusted. You see, that's seeing the whole situation. And I believe we have some other examples of this in Scripture. Isaiah 55, 
verses 8 and 9 says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. This is Isaiah struggling with things, trying to grasp them, trying to comprehend them, and he finally gets to this place. He goes, your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. I'm going to trust you. So that's Old Testament. We see it in the New Testament too. 1 Corinthians 13, 12. We see Paul say this, For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. This is Paul. The Apostle Paul that's saying, listen, I don't understand everything right now. I don't see everything right now. There are things happening around me that, that I can't fully bring into focus. I can't fully understand them. And then Paul later writes in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, he says this, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul, who just made the admission in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, that I don't understand everything, I don't see everything, not everything is clear to me, is now making this statement, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. Um, in order to obtain the peace that passes all understanding, we first have to give up our forfeit to understand, our right to understand everything. I can't expect to understand everything and then try to have peace that goes beyond understanding. What an awesome revelation. Because we have people who have been walking in the same thing that we're walking in, in darkness, in struggle, in fighting. But yet they're going, listen, I don't understand it right now, but you know what? He does. I don't get it. I don't like it. I don't maybe even want it, but you know what? I am going to rest in His peace, which, which passes anything I can understand. And I'm going to say that He is greater in this situation. That's right. Amen. Psalm 121. I want to read you this. The psalmist says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. Amen. If you don't have this as a life verse or something that you go back to frequently, I encourage you to do so. Because this is such an incredible encouragement in the time of need. When we're facing darkness, when we're facing trials, when we're facing persecutions, tribulations, anything, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. This morning, we're getting ready to do an invitation, but I want to say this beforehand. This morning, this, this, is, a, this is a space where you can be in struggle. 
it's okay to be in struggle. It's okay to be in lament. It's okay to be in that questioning thing. But the most dangerous question to linger in for a believer is the question, why? Because that's going to be a circular question that there is no answer for. So it's not the question why that I want to encourage you this morning. It's not even the question of what's going on. It's the question of who. Who are you trusting in? Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. So this is a space where it's safe to be in struggle. And we'll struggle right along with you. How's that sound? But this is also a space where you're going to have to make a decision at some point. I can't make it for you. The elders can't make it for you. None of our teachers, Kennedy, the worship team, they can't make it for you. At some point, you have to make a decision. Are you going to stay in the struggle? Or are you going to start moving towards the praise? Are you going to stay in lament? Or are you going to move towards doxology? Because the reality is, is I wish I could tell you that I'm in my struggle and it's as simple as taking one step and all of a sudden my heart is praising. Sometimes that happens. But most of the time in my life, I have to make a conscious decision to say, I'm no longer remaining in the struggle. I'm moving towards praise. And I'm going to give him a sacrifice of praise even when I'm in my struggle and that's the decision that we all are faced with this morning like i said you the decisions on you i can't make it for you if you're here and you're in the struggle it's okay and as matt chandler says it's okay to not be okay but it's not okay to stay that way the decision is yours this morning i want us to do something I, i want us to do a congregational prayer together we're going to have it up here on the screen so i want you to read this with me okay Our God of peace, we want your peace to settle deep into our hearts, minds, and souls. Jesus, Prince of Peace, in you we lack nothing. Amen. Amen.